Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey, it's Miller with Team Johnson. Today's five-star review comes from Debbie of Denver, titled, First Thing in My Morning. Both your podcasts are in my top favorites. I loved this episode with your mom and dad. They were honest and funny. I think you should have them on more often. Hey, Debbie, all of us here at Team Johnson, we agree with you more, Marge and Bill. Shalene, are you listening? Hey there, welcome to this edition of The Shalene Show with my special guest, Bill Melvin. He also happens to be my father, and I have no idea what he's going to ask me. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. All right, Dad. We have to start over. Why? I can't find the questions. (laughs) I'm serious. I had them. Where'd they go? (laughs) (laughs) Let me see your phone. Uh, This is impossible. Let me see your phone. So you know you put them in notes? Yes. Um, Should be right at the top. Should be. You sure you put them in this phone? Yes. Under Shalene. Under Shalene? There are no notes named Shalene. Well, maybe it was something else. You sure you didn't do it on your laptop? Positive. Okay. Do you remember your questions? No. <laughs> Can you think of any? <laughs> Not under pressure. <laughs> if you give me a minute, it's what it takes. With my recall, it'll take a minute. No distraction. <sighs> okay. Um, this is a podcast, right? Yes. And this is my daughter, Shalene. Chatson. <laughs> but they're not on video, so they can't see you. I know, but I got to give her a hug, anyways, because she's the firstborn. She was the smartest, the brightest, <laughs> the most creative, you know, you name it. That was Shalene. Of course, I have to say that with all of my kids, but I'm here now. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, today we'd like to maybe ask my daughter some questions, you know, dad to daughter, and see what she's got for answers. The first one, I guess, would be. Something that we can all relate to, and that is in our life we make mistakes, and some much bigger than others. What would be one big mistake you made in your life that you would change if you could? Guy, I don't know if I've thought about that. I guess my biggest mistake would be being too trusting of people and not being more suspicious or inquisitive or digging deeper you know, sometimes it's with people in my life and sometimes it's with people who've come into our business where I just, I really like them, but yet I ignored red flags. When that happens, I'm disappointed in my lack of not looking deeper, like being more patient. So now I don't introduce people to my audience or do business with people. I'm just a little bit more guarded. And I think that's, I think it's a better way to be. Yes. You think so? Well, I do. I think you know, part of what you're talking about is inherent in our family. You know, we like people, you know, mm-hmm. we're outgoing. Trust. Uh, trust people, you know, until they prove otherwise. And 
in business, you've got to be, and in life, you've got to be a little more careful than that. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to kind of try to figure out who you're dealing with before yeah. you uh, let them on the inside. And let them prove it. Like, I think in the past, I've like, have allowed people to be trusted until they prove otherwise. And now I kind of let them prove that they can be trusted and then I trust them. Yeah, I agree. I got another question for you. Now, this is about money. When I was a little kid, I don't know what age, maybe five, six years old, my dad came home from work one day. He worked in a factory. You know, he got a paycheck each week. It wasn't big. I mean, it was enough that we could live comfortably, but, you know, just week to week. And he came home with his paycheck. He went to the bank and cashed it in and had them give him sacks of coins of pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters, his whole paycheck. And he came home and he dumped it on the floor in the living room and let me play in it all weekend. Sunday evening, I was told I had to package all this stuff back up so that my mom could run it to the bank Monday morning and put it back in the bank because they needed the money. But having that money in front of me and seeing it at that young age gave me an introspective interest in money. Mm. That I understood there were denominations, and I also this it came across that while this was a lot of money, and my parents needed it, you know, it wasn't frivolous. It had to go someplace and be used. So many years later, when I had small kids, I was doing a liquidation, and we took in a substantial amount of small cash. I mean, one, five, ten dollar bills, and that evening I brought a grocery bag home full of cash and dumped it on the living room floor between mm-hmm. Shalene and Janelle and, and I didn't, maybe even Billy at the time and let them play in it. Mm-hmm. You know, in retrospect, I think it was probably a stupid thing to do, but I just wondered, did that have any impact mm-hmm. on you? Are you sure it was a grocery bag? Because I have a recollection of something like that, but I think it was in a briefcase. Oh, it might have been. Yeah, I remember a briefcase filled with money. I don't know if that had an impact on me, but like all of the things like that, that was just one moment. But I also, one of my earliest recollections, the way that I processed money was you, or maybe it was your dad had a coin collection. With me. And you would, you know, take me through this massive coin collection. You would say, this is a penny, but it's worth. And you would explain to me why things are worth a certain amount of money and, you know, why certain things had more value and why you were hanging on to those things. And I just remember thinking, oh, so you can have something that's old and it's worth more than what it was originally, like even with antiques. I remember I remember thinking about that, like the fact that you and mom collected antiques and like you would tell us like what that was probably worth when it was sold and then what it was worth today. And so I just always remember thinking like, okay, so if you take good care of things, it isn't just like money that's in the bank, it's things that you can invest in. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, because we were always into collecting things, but it started with me collecting coins, Mm -hmm. and I still have that coin collection. You do? I do, and I've tried hard to give it to various grandchildren (laughs) or develop an interest, which none of them have any interest in it. That thing is just going to rust away in a corner someplace. Furniture is one of those things. Like, the concept of heirlooms is over. Like people don't hang on to things. And I don't know whose generation it probably ended in, maybe mine, but they don't 
hold on to furniture to give to their children. And if they do, their kids don't want it. It's like a burden. It's part of this whole minimalism. But I also think it's part of the fact that everything is meant to last a short period of time and be replaced, you know, planned obsolescence. But even like jewelry and things like that and dresses and furniture, like family heirlooms are a thing of the past. And that's kind of sad. That's really generational. You know, if I think of my parents and my grandparents, these were people that grew up and didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. You know, they lived in shacks. They had dirt floor. I mean, literally, you know, in my family, some had dirt floors, an outhouse behind the house. So if you had a decent piece of furniture or jewelry or anything else and you could pass that on to your kids, that was a boon to them. You know, that was gave them a step up in life. But today, uh, you know, I think in general, the population's pretty wealthy, pretty well off, and uh, they don't need those things. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's another question. Four items. Love, honesty, loyalty, happiness. Oh, I can't count. It's five. Mm -hmm. And money. What order do you think those should take in your life? Mm. Order of importance. Love, honesty. Loyalty, happiness, money. What order they have significance to me? Most important, you know, the order yeah. of importance to you. Well, money is last. Gosh, I guess I would put honesty above love and then love. But I also feel like all these things equal happiness, right? But I don't need to be happy all the time. So I guess I would say honesty, love, then loyalty, then happiness, then money. I would agree. Really? Same? I, I just think really? those, are, those are good values. You know, that, those are the types of things that show character or develop character. And above all, well, I don't know if I could say above all, but, but generally honesty is really on top mm -hmm. of the list because it mm -hmm. affects everyone and everything that you do. Mm -hmm. Oh, here's a big one. Education. Mm -hmm. College education. You and your sister. Mm -hmm. Your brother all went to college. Your kids have gone to college. How important do you think that is to make a success of your life? All right. So if you have kids in the car and you don't want them to hear this, you might cover up their ears. I think that college is important for the following reasons. I think it's important for structure, learning to survive, learning to make deadlines, be creative, get along with people, work collaboratively on projects, to have continued structure outside the home. It's like a halfway house after living with your parents, I think. You've got to figure things out on your own. You have to learn how to budget. It's almost like this, the way Brett and I view it is this, it's a period of time where they're still, they know they can fall back on us if they need to, but they've got to figure these things out. Do I think that you learn things that will help you in your career? Not for most people, other than the things I just talked about, which are life lessons. I think the structure is really important. I think it feels really good. And you can't underestimate how much that confidence boost turbocharges someone's ego, like you know, the belief in yourself. Like, I did it. I got my degree. I passed this class. Like, and I did it on my own. I woke up on my own. And I went to school without someone telling me to do it. Like, those things are huge. I know it was a huge, huge confidence boost for me. Could that be a lifestyle boot camp, so to speak? Yeah, but I think that like people who go to school to learn marketing, you're much better off like doing one of my programs. I think most of the things you're going to learn in school are you might need a degree to get a job. My thought, however, is if you're exclusively relying on a job, that's one of the riskiest things that you can do. In today's economy, jobs are replaceable. I mean, artificial intelligence is just creeping in on 
jobs and the demand, and there's more people who are graduating from college. And I think the smartest thing to do is to have the ability to support yourself outside of a job. And if you want to have a job, that's great too. And it's great to have your kids have that structure. But I mean, the opportunities for freedom and lifestyle are in learning how to create your own income. Yeah, I I would totally agree. I think education in itself is paramount. You know, we all have to strive for education and all those things that have been created before us, whether it was, you know, the first caveman that sawed off a log and turned it into a wheel or Henry Ford, you know, helping to develop a production line. uh, It's cumulative. Each person passes something on to each other person. And now with the Internet, we can just soak up so much information. Mm -hmm. So, you know, college certainly in some areas is, is a must. You know, and others, maybe not so much, but Mm -hmm. still, you have to find that education somewhere. Yes, I agree. Next question. If you had another life, you know, you started over from scratch, Mm -hmm. what one thing might you do differently? Things I think I would do differently is invest in other people sooner, invest in help. I think I spent too many years relying on the fact that I could figure things out and thinking that that was saving us time and money, but it wasn't. Like if I had earlier on realized that every time I invested either in like a mentor or a training program or an education, if you will, you know, that type of education or just a coach and then ultimately in staff, I wish I had gotten better at finding people to be a part of my team earlier. You know, I think I always looked at that as like, oh, wow, that we're going to spend that much. Can we afford to do that? And I didn't realize that we couldn't afford not to. So every time our business has gone to a new level, and more importantly, our life has become more peaceful, it's because we've invested in either education, mentorship, or help people, part of our team. Yeah. Again, that's so important. You know, if you find the right people, they're such a great asset, whether it's in business or life. You know, I mean, the best you can find are going to give you the greatest reward. You know, even if you're picking a wife or a husband, you know, (laughs) be selective. And uh, you always get that dividend afterwards. Uh, Here's a tough one. When I was growing up, I had a lot of input mainly from my mother, about how I should act, to be polite, to be honest, you know, to just do the things that you're generally supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I got that verbal input, but my daily routine was pretty much my own. It was very loose. You know, I would get up, go outside, do whatever I wanted to do, go wherever I wanted to go. And, you know, some of that was very exciting. Some of it was very informative. Mm -hmm. Some of it was bad. (laughs) But I was able to experience it all. So with you in particular, I'll leave your uh, siblings out of it. But uh, how did you feel? Was your uh, childhood uh, strict? Was it loose? Um, How did you feel about it? And how do you think it's impacted your life? I don't think you guys were strict. Because I don't think you needed to be. You were able to manage all of us and what it is we did by expectation. Like you really made it clear what the expectations for us were in terms of our manners and who we spent time with and how we conducted ourselves and the things that we did. And you gave us a lot of free reign. And 
be like, I never remember you being grounded. Maybe I was, but I really don't remember that. And I don't remember you ever like yelling at us or getting in trouble. What, short memory. I know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what I do remember, like feeling like I was in trouble is when you were disappointed. You know, and I, I don't know if we need to go into all those subjects here on this episode in case people have children. They don't want to be influenced. But like I was definitely the wilder of my brother and sister. Oh, yeah. And I guess you could say I definitely took advantage of the fact that you guys trusted me. I knew that I could convince you guys of things. Oh, you pushed the envelope. <laughs> yeah. I knew that I was like articulate and I could debate and I could convince and I could persuade you to trust me in situations where you should not have. And I could, I don't want to say manipulate, but like, yeah, I would go toe to toe with you guys and explain like why I should be allowed to do this certain thing. And you would just be like, okay, well, here are the consequences. You, were just, you could do it. You were very determined and outgoing. And frankly, that was the way we raised you to be. I mean, you know. Not exactly as you are. I don't think anybody can do that. You know, it's, you, you are who you are. But we wanted our kids to be outgoing, to experience, you know, a lot of different things in life because I felt, and your mom too, that, you know, that was a really important part of your education. Mm-hmm. You know, you, the one thing that we had thought from almost as soon as we got married and decided to have kids, we had this discussion, you know, what's the most important thing we can do raising our kids. And the answer was give them the tools to go on in life mm-hmm. without us mm-hmm. because there's never any guarantee of how long we're going to be around, you know, how much we're going to be able to, uh, how much input we're going to have in their lives. So just give them the best tools that we can and, you know, give them the exposure so that they can move on with life and be successful. And in my own life, I wish I had had more mentors around, you know, in certain areas. I mean, I was really active in sports, but I really didn't have anybody telling me or advising me as to, you know, what I should do. I mean, what would have made it easier for me to get a scholarship or to go on to play at a higher level? But, you know, the same thing was true in most everything I did. My parents were very quiet, you know. And they didn't have any experience in those areas. You know, mm. I mean, they, you know, they worked in a factory and it was kind of assumed that that's what I would do, too. It wasn't what I wanted. You know, mm-hmm. I was exposed to other things that gave me this interest in being in business. And so I just, you know, I went forward and did that. But I did it the hard way, uh, making lots and lots of mistakes and just learning as I went. But again, everyone learns those things, you know, by being on the street, by being in school, by, you know, interacting with other people. So, um, again, I just felt for all of you, it was a good thing to have exposure to different people, different ways of life, you know, business, art, mm-hmm. whatever there was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you definitely gave us a lot of freedom. You. I've talked about this a lot. You let me do whatever I wanted to do, try whatever I wanted to try, quit when I wanted to quit, move on to the next thing. And that was all okay. And I never felt like I was disappointing you if I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't feel like I was disappointing you guys if I wasn't the best. I just, it just was like you always supported it. In fact, if anything, you probably made us feel like we were the best at everything and we kind of knew we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that was just a part of our model. You know, we thought, well, every day when you wake up and every day when you go to sleep, we're going to tell you you're the best. You can do anything you want. There isn't anything you can't accomplish because uh, having that 
positive input, yeah. I think, gives anybody the ability to move forward and grow. Yeah. But, yeah, it might not have always been the case, but it was <laughs> what we were hoping for. And, you know, we tried not to be critical, you know. We always assume that people are going to make mistakes, they're going to fail at things. A banker once told me I was going to get a loan, and he said, look, Bill, he said, you're a good guy. I know you're going to pay this loan back, but here's the deal. You, me, everybody on earth has problems. We have failures. You know, things just don't always go our way. So, you know, just be honest with me when it happens. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not going to hit you over the head. I'm not going to, you know, come and uh, take your home away from you. Just, you know, be honest, communicate, and we'll get through it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was, you know, good advice for life, really, you yeah. know. That's what you always told us, too. It's just, just be honest and we'll get through it, but you've got to be honest. Oh, here we go. You were the firstborn. How did that affect your life? Hmm. You know, you've got a sister and a brother. They've both been successful in, in their lives and, you know, their families. But you were first. How did that mm-hmm. affect you? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I don't know because I, it's all that I know. I do think because I'm the oldest, like Janelle's taller and stronger than me, but I always knew that I could dominate her as the older sister because I had that older sister thing, you know, and she calls it psycho sister. But like it kind of made me feel as the oldest that I had this position of authority and superior knowledge and superior experience. You mean like a jailkeeper with a stick, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we won't get into that, will we? I don't know if I remember that story. But so I guess being the oldest for me made me feel like I knew more. And I've always tried to hold that position, no matter what I'm learning or getting into, whenever I feel a little bit of self-doubt, I go into research mode and I educate myself until I feel like I have enough knowledge or more knowledge than the average person. And that gives me incredible confidence. So that's my go-to. No matter what it is, I just, I turn on a switch and I block everything else out and I learn absolutely everything I can and I go deeper than the average person would and I look for the backstory and the details and the data and the citations and I I just immerse myself in knowledge until I feel really confident. Well, knowledge is power. I mean, you know, just exactly, you've explained it. So when you have that knowledge, it gives you confidence. Mm -hmm. And confidence leads to success. That doesn't mean you're going to win every time, you know, you lose. But if you are confident that you can get through that process, I can lose and still come back and win again, that's how it's done. Yeah. Okay. Grandparents. Yeah. I'm a grandparent now, and I think once you reach that stage... They have a much different perspective on life, but I would wonder, do you remember your grandparents and how did they impact your life? Oh. Yeah, totally. So your, your, we'll talk about your parents. Well, I just remember that wasn't the first grandchild, right? But for whatever reason, I felt like I was the most special grandchild. I don't know if Billy and Janelle felt that way, but like I felt like they really thought I was their favorite. Without a doubt. <laughs> and I just remember that grandma would just do any, like, so she was very 
doting, very caretaking, wanted to bake. And like, I could just say like, grandma, that's a beautiful blouse. And she used to be like, you can have it. You can have it. You know, she always wanted to literally give you the shirt off her back and just do anything for you and everything for you. And grandpa was just cool and just sweet. And I just remember him, you know, because he had emphysema, probably pretty advanced by the time I had memories of him. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So, like, even in my That's middle school you. years, yeah. 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 From the time you were born. So, he couldn't do a lot with us, but he did do certain things, like, you know, ride the ATV, and I just have memories of how sweet they were, and, and quiet. Yeah, really quiet, but they would let me entertain them in the living room for hours, and play piano, and sing, and records, and music, and I would stay with them at the lake in northern Michigan in the summer. And speaking of being persuasive, I told grandma that I should take grandpa because he would go every afternoon, like around 4 p.m. to have his beer at the local bar, which was only a couple miles away. But I told grandma that I would drive him. And she was like, do your parents let you drive? I'm like, yeah, of course they do. So she let me drive him there. And I crashed into the bar because I accidentally hit the gas instead of the break and I smashed through the whole building like I went right into the bar like I can picture right now the dust coming down from the ceiling and patrons sitting at the bar just like looking over their shoulder and here's you know and how old were you I think like 13 (laughs) I think I was 13 yeah I forgot about that one I think I begged grandma not to tell you yeah well I'm sure uh, knowing my parents even if we found out, it was all oh, wasn't a big deal. You know, it wasn't a problem. You know, it wasn't your fault. It must have been the gas pedal. Yeah. Your mom exposed you to dancing, both you and your sister, at really early age. I mean, your mother loved to dance, and so I mean, you know, she was always dancing in the house. And as soon as you guys could uh, stand up or toddle around, you know, she was getting you to act through those same procedures. So again, you started at a really young age, and in some ways, I think you're still involved in that. You know, how important has dance been in your life? You know, how do you feel about it today? Yeah, you know, so not to give anyone the wrong impression, like she let us take every type of dance lesson we wanted to. So I took ballet, I took jazz, and like most things, I did them for short periods of time. So I didn't take a lot of dance lessons. Now Janelle did, Janelle got very into ballet. And went quite far. But for me, I just took a lot of different types of dance and on and off. Scott dancing. Oh, yeah. I took Scottish dancing because we're Scottish. And I took ballet and jazz and tap. But all of them for just like a minute. But it was the exposure to it that was really, really useful. The main thing, what was a bigger influence on me was music. Movement, too. Like mom was always moving and dancing, and we were all always dancing and moving. Not you, you weren't dancing, but we, you were listening to music, and we were always listening to music, and you were always singing in the car and singing to the radio, and there was always music on, and mom always bought like records, and she was always, like, always, always, always listening to music and a wide variety of music, like from John Denver to Greece to Leo Sayer, I think his name is. Like, I just remember all the albums you guys had and the Beatles and 
Simon and Garfunkel, and I would spend hours listening to music. And music is still a very, very big part of who I am and how I am creative and how I fix my mood and how I center my thinking and how I like meditate. Music for me is like huge. And for Brett, it's funny because he didn't grow up in a household where they played music. Like, so he doesn't have that same profound feeling about music, but my kids definitely do because we raise them with that same thing with music, always playing, always talking about music, all the different genres, just really appreciating great lyrics, great music and music that pulls out emotion. Another question. You, without a doubt, have been very creative. I would say restless in that you're never satisfied with whatever you created last. You have to either improve on it or create something new. Why is that? Hmm. I am very creative. Like creativity makes me feel alive and inspired and I have a lot of it. So my struggle is that I want to jump to the next creative idea that I have before I finish the one that I'm on. And by learning how to manage my soul, learning how to manage my personality, I've forced myself to, like, I have a a notebook of things I want to get to, things that are great ideas, creative things I want to do, but I don't allow myself to do those things until what it is I'm working on currently is either done or running on autopilot. Like, I can turn it over to my team or I can turn it over to somebody else to run because that does keep me inspired to do, like, the next creative thing. So. One of the first things you said was interesting, gives you some insight, and that is that it made you feel good. You felt driven. Mm -hmm. You know, there was this reward, you know, kind of a need and a reward situation where you create something new and it just makes you feel good all over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I like like bringing things to life. I like having an idea and bringing it to life. Now, it can be something as simple as, like, I'll buy clothes off the rack And I'll buy like two different shirts and then I'll take it to the seamstress and say, can you sew these arms onto this shirt? Like, because I can picture it and I I like doing that little creative thing. Or I like saying, I can imagine something that I wish existed, say, for example, like an online academy. And I can picture what it is I wish there was and I can bring that to to life. So I like the process of having the idea and then bringing it to life. And sometimes it can be art or it can be a program. It can be a book. But I, I like the idea of having this creative idea and bringing it to life. Picture this, if you can. Shalene, at about 13, you know, she was talking about clothing. Mm. She would go to the Goodwill, and she would buy for next to nothing. I mean, you know, I don't know how much, maybe $5, $10. She would buy an entire shopping cart full of clothing, all kinds of clothing, you know, sweaters, pants, dresses, scarves, whatever it might be and then come home and dump it on the floor in her bedroom, and before the day was out, create a whole new outfit. And I mean, Mm -hmm. she would cut these things up and sew them together, Mm -hmm. and the next day go to school in something that she had made, sometimes very weird, (laughs) but uh, that's what she did. And sometimes it would fall apart, I remember that. Because I I learned, mom taught me how to sew, but I could never (laughs) figure out how to sew with a pattern, so I would always just kind of wing it. No, no, no. It was, no one could sew that fast. I mean, you were creating these outfits in in just moments, you know. (laughs) The stitches were way too far apart. Well, it's like the jacket you saw me wearing yesterday with Tupac on the back. You're like, where'd you get that? I said, I made it. Took a couple things and unstitched them and sewed them together. So I still like to do that. I still like original pieces. I think that's had a real impact on your daughter, Sierra. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, she is so into design and clothing. She's been the same way. She has been putting ensembles together ever since she was mm-hmm. the tiniest little kid. No one ever looks like her in the mm-hmm. clothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to Sierra. So just if you ever go and follow Sierra on Instagram, she is Sierra O'Day. I think she's Sierra O'Day. Yeah, she's Sierra O'Day on Instagram. But her objective in every post that she creates and every story that she posts to Instagram is to confuse you. And like everyone in my family is like, what does this mean? What is going on? I'm like, don't ask that like mission accomplished if she's thoroughly confused you. Yeah. Well, she's a gem, mm-hmm. an absolute gem. All of my grandkids are. Of course, this isn't supposed to be about the grandkids, mm-hmm. but I've got seven of them and Seems they're all, they're all just great. We sure enjoy them. I know. There's something I wanted to ask you. So when... I was in maybe fourth grade, and I won a writing contest about what it means to be an American. Mm-hmm. And VFW, maybe? or uh, Yeah, it was yeah. put on by, I don't know, the VFW. Yeah. And then, so I, I, I won that, I don't know if, if it was for, like, our county or our state. I just remember the state representative was, was there. It was, a, it was a big award. Yeah, I think it was statewide. But then I had to read my paper, and you and Mom enrolled me in... Toastmasters. Do you remember this? Yeah. And I went to these Toastmasters meetings and they were all like adults. It was like the town banker and a realtor. And I think I was like, I don't even think there were any women there. It was like all adult men learning to give speeches. And then I gave mine. And I, so I'm like in fourth grade maybe. So I really don't remember how that all went down. Like, did you guys stay with me? Did you just drop me off? What made you think to do that? Did I ask for it? I'm not sure if you asked for it. But it did take place after you had won the award. Oh. When, when you stood up in front of the crowd and the state representative and you gave your speech, it was really great. I mean, you've done a good job with it. And I'm, I'm sure we thought, wow, she has an ability here. You know, she should build on that. Mm. So whether it was, and it might have been your idea because, you know, you were always coming up with something that, you know, we didn't have much uh, insight into, but <laughs> it just seemed like a good idea, whether it was your idea or ours, you know, it seemed like something that uh, mm. would be good for you. And I'm sure we probably took you the first time and maybe sat there for a while and then after that just dropped you off. I mean, it was just a classroom <laughs> situation. Oh, that's interesting to hear that because I thought that you had taken me, my memory was that you had enrolled me in that before I gave the speech so that I wouldn't be nervous, but that makes sense. Maybe someone there said, oh, she should do oh, Toastmasters. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, thank you so much, Dad. This has been really fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. He is very inconsistent on instagram i mean you could admit that you're pretty you're pretty inconsistent inconsistent yeah yeah Yeah. but if you do want to follow him he is doc speed d-o-c-s-p-e-e-d is it doc speed one maybe no just doc speed all right well just to be sure double check the show notes because i'll put it in our show notes but hope you enjoyed this episode with bill melvin my dad thanks dad have fun it was great having a chance to talk with you love you mean it maybe you're trying to lose weight or just be healthy and feel confident and happy. In order to do that, you need a new way. Problem is, losing weight is hard, and keeping it off feels almost impossible. At the 131 Method, we've helped over 50,000 people find a new way, better way. Here's how this works. First, you start it. You do that by identifying what it is you want to work on first. Is it your weight loss? Is it gut health? 
or do you just want to feel healthier all around? Then you pick a start date, log in, and go. Step two, slay it. You'll get your meal plans and hundreds of delicious, simple recipes, and we'll also change up your eating plans every four weeks. That's going to boost your metabolism, and it's called diet phasing. We'll help you personalize the process with our team of registered dietitians to make this something you can do for life. Then you own it. No more wasting time on fad diets. It's time to take control of your health, to heal your relationship with food and your body. We want to help you lose the weight and keep it off. We want to help you to look and feel freaking amazing. So go to 131method.com and let's do this.